Hello and welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast in association with Betfred. Betfred was established in Salford in 1967 by fellow Red Fred Dunn and he currently sponsors the United We Stand podcast. With me now I've got Graham who is a Watford fan. Graham, how are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. It's always the optimism before the kickoff. Yeah, uh, how did you get here today? Uh, well, I've actually been staying up. Um, I, I used to work in Abu Dhabi um, and one of my friends, Thomas, is a Man United season ticket holder. So yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. staying up with him. We always try and do this every year well, and making sure, because this might be Watford's last time up here for a while. So Yeah, yeah. now you mentioned that, a bit of a grim season for Watford. Um, I mean, bit, becoming a bit of a yo-yo club at the moment and... With, with the way it's gone this season is it three or four managers this season? Uh, it's three but it could well yeah. be four by the end of the yeah. season because uh, Hodgson's already upsetting a few of the fans by being I don't think he's really being too doomsday I just think he's just been very honest with the fans the squad probably isn't good enough which goes back to mistakes of recruitment in the summer and I think there's a little bit of I think it's just false expectation really so it isn't looking great and I think it is part as you said it's going to be yo-yo again and hopefully possibly being able to keep some of the players better players in the summer and doing a Fulham next season possibly is is there a you know I might might, might be my ignorance this but is there a bit of an acceptance about the way he removes managers or would you like to see more consistency or with it working previously when he's in the Premier League uh, are Watford fans are they, are they comfortable with that? I think personally, I would rather I would personally have rather seen Cisco Minos given more time at the start of the season. But I think it's a culture you're seeing with other clubs as well. Even Tottenham we saw in November, where it's all about the be or and end all, like or where for clubs like Watford it's about staying in the Premier League. Yeah. For other clubs, it's about getting in the top six or top seven. And I think well, what you're seeing now at Watford is more fans are accepting it and wanting it now. Like you know, after a couple of games, like. To give you an example of the Brighton game, I think he was saying jest, but someone shouted Hodgson out at yeah, the end of the yeah. game. It was like his third game in charge. And but that is kind of the culture we've kind of got in. And it's like you're a product of your environment. And yeah. it can sometimes work, sometimes it doesn't. And this season I think we've seen particularly at Watford that it doesn't really matter who the manager is. We've had three managers, we've had similar performances, like when we lost and went to Crystal Palace. We've lost to a lot of mid-table series like that. Like on our de- like all our wins this season, like, and obviously this is what people want to bring up. Every game we've won, generally the team we played against had a horror show, like United in November, Ollie's last game, like um, Norwich City in September, Dean Smith at Aston Villa. They've all had horror shows against us. Generally, if a team plays quite well against us, we're not good enough. So I don't really think it can matter what the manager is, but unfortunately, it's a manager who you can't sack an entire squad at once. No. So that's what's happened. And what what is the root with that? Is it is it recruitment? Is it money available? Or is there no grumbles there? Is it just basically the recruitment wrong I think it is just I think it's partly recruitment but I think it's you've seen it with other clubs as well when when you have a bit of success like we got to the FA Cup final in 2019 obviously it ended horrifically with a 6-0 drubbing by City but on the other hand what you saw was we actually did quite well but then that summer they kind of stood still on the defence midfield again didn't make any real changes and as you see, if you stand still in the Premier League, you go backwards. Yeah. And like, to give you an example, three years ago, I think we beat Crystal Palace twice. We took four points of Brighton. We were considerably better than both of them. And this year, we've been spanked by both sides. Yeah. And it showed. And I don't think ever, when someone's doing well, it's easy to go. That's amazing what they're doing. Brighton have just got done nailed their manager for that. Yeah. But when Potter goes, who knows how that's going to work out? The same. Same with Palace. Like they've got Conor Gallagher this season. We've been in perfect. When he goes back to Chelsea, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But, for Watford it's been particularly in hindsight it does feel like maybe they thought they were going to struggle regardless 
and they made a, few, a number of short-term signings this year, hoping it might work, but it hasn't. So yeah. I think it does go back to recruitment and possibly making a few mistakes about three years ago, and it catches up with you. I, I, I spoke to a couple of Southampton fans last week, and their squad was quite similar, except for the trip Chelsea Lonies. Watford are a squad where no real names stand out to me. Um, is there any bright sparks in the squad? Obviously, as Mayla Sarr is um, pretty... You know, I've seen him at Old Trafford in the FA Cup last year. Like, looked quite good. Is there any, many others? At the I think, well, obviously the other one that jumps out probably is Emmanuel Dennis. I know certainly yeah. in fantasy football, he's probably been the cult hero. He's a little bit hot and cold. Like when he's on it, he's terrific. And he's a bit like when, and obviously United fans will be familiar when we first came up six years ago, Oli and Agallo. Like yeah. when he's absolutely on it, fantastic scores. But when he's slightly off. Terrible. He's probably too inconsistent for a top Premier League club. Yeah. But if we, if if and when we do go down, I expect the likes of Southampton and Co. possibly to sniff around him. Like he's probably not. He could be a squad striker for someone like a top six club. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. But but obviously Sars the main one. Like yeah. it's no coincidence that we didn't win a game after United when he was out injured and then he was out of the African Cup of Nations. Yeah. So he'll be the main threat today. If, yeah. if Watford do anything, Saar needs to have a good game. But Saar and Dennis will be the two that will do anything in summer. And possibly Suzoko as well, who's yeah. been a part of the French World Cup score. And De- Dennis has actually scored more than Cristiano Ronaldo, hasn't he, in the league? Which is astonishing, really, yeah. when you think about it. But it's just like the terms of reference to how yeah. it happens. <laughs> but it's like, well, both men have probably not had the seasons they expected in that <laughs> regard. But like, I think, yeah... It's, it's, it's been a very uh, weird season for Dennis in that regard, right? but yeah. when he's on it, he, he will see it. And if he gets half a chance now, I wouldn't be surprised if he does stick it away. <laughs> we'll move on to United a bit now. Um, you don't need to pull any punches at this point. Why do you think United is a club? As a club, like, well, I grew up, I'm 42, so I grew up in the Fergie era yeah. and always had huge respect for them. And it just does feel like, it just feels like, it was me really difficult whoever took over but it does feel like United are still trying to find their identity post Fergie and they've gone close a couple of times and the, the difficulty is football has changed and that's yeah. out of United's control with the money that's come in from Abu Dhabi City yeah. and Chelsea and, and the Russian money and that has changed things that's something people can legislate for but yeah. from the outside in I'm still a huge admirer of United and the tradition yeah. and love coming to Ultra. Like Old Trafford's still one of the games Like I know quite a few Watford fans who that's one of the main away games season is Old Trafford. Yeah, yeah, yeah. United are still the name. Yeah. It's like, even though we've, we're going to get relegated, winning 4-1 against United in November was still going to be one of our greatest ever days in the Premier League. <laughs> and, and, and obviously, I know it's a low light for United, and, and so, but that's still the context of the gravitas of United have at the moment. Was, was you at, at Vickery's Road that day? Yeah, it was surreal. It's not often yeah. you miss a penalty twice <laughs> and still go on to win 4-1. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was a very grim day that, and it, you know, you could see at that point that the players had sort of really detached from the manager, you know, at that stage. So it was just, it was just like the decision yeah. making, like because I've never, I'm a huge fan of Bruno, and he had a terrible game that day. But it was like one Basaka, you could tell the heads had gone. Yeah. Like for the first goal, I was saying to uh, my mate earlier, like the cross comes in, nine times of ten he heads that out for a corner. You play the percentages. Yeah. And he just heads it up in the air, and it's like clear the brain's gone. That he's yeah. not thinking properly. But so, <laughs> but it's one of those things. But you. Can, Obviously, it has improved uh, since since Oli went in some regards, but it's obviously a work in progress. But I'm, I don't think any Watford fans expecting anything like that again today. No. Is, is there any Watford memories at Old Trafford that are uh, positive? Well, unfortunately for me, um, I was too young for when we won in the League Cup in the late in the late seventies. But uh, most of my like we 
we're, I think we've, I've been here six times and we lost all of them. But generally speaking, there was there was one where Andy um, actually said to me afterwards it was the best performance for a race I at Old Trafford yeah. that season. It was classic Watford in that era where we played well but didn't take our chance. I think that might have been the matter free kick and I think yeah. you might have had Igalo and Dini up front that yeah, day. Yeah, that's I think. right. And we, yeah, actually, yeah. And we actually had a real good go. Yeah. But it was kind of one of those sort of typical stories of not taking our chances. And then sides of the quality United League, one chance they're taken. But generally speaking, it's, there's not been a touch wood horrific experience up here. There's not been too many great memories. No. So I'd, I'd say my favourite memory, even though it was bizarre, was seeing United in 99, just after they won the treble. Yeah. And for 40 minutes thinking we were competitive with the best side in Europe at the time. And then you score three goals in five minutes. It was like, yeah. that's, what quality, <laughs> that's what quality feels like. And yeah. there's no, we didn't do anything wrong either. So yeah, you, yeah. you kind of just have to, I do like that sometimes as a football fan. You can just sit back and think, yeah, Matt, you are too good for us. And you were that day. So like, <laughs> that, that team was magnificent. I don't need to obviously tell you that whatsoever, but that was, a, that was watching United around 99 period was a joy. Uh, yeah, I remember, I remember the game at Vicarage Road that season. I think it was 3-2, but I don't remember the home game. I, my my memory can't recall that so just a couple more before you get off then so have you got any hope of staying up and what are your um, expectations today can, can you get something I think what well, we saw last week when we won at Villa that we are capable of doing the Roy Hodgson textbook yeah. keep it tight 1-0 but again I'm not sure if defence to be up against the side as good as United's forward players it's like looking at the lineup there it does look a bit interesting like yeah. I'm, I'm glad Sancho's on the bench for instance I think he would have been hurt on the wings in recent games so I'm surprised he's not starting yeah. tonight, but I think it's going to have to be the cliche get to half time still be tight at least ideally nil nil to have any chance but to answer your first question I think we've still got to go to City Liverpool and Chelsea we've only got 13 games left oh, God, so realistically yeah. taking them out including today We've got. We've really got to win six out of ten. And when you think we've only won five all season, it's. I think obviously when there's hope, there's hope. Yeah. But realistically, I'm already thinking about Rotherham and Wickham away next season. That's yeah. Days. And that leads us on that nicely to what I was going to ask next, actually, because do you, you know, there's obviously a lot of um, discontent in the squad, um, particularly with a, lot, a couple of the managers that went previous to Roy Hodgson. Do you expect to come back up um, and do you expect wholesale change? Do you think you'll completely change the starting 11, for example? I think it will be a much bigger change than last time because obviously yeah. we bounced back first time. But I think the pandemic, obviously as horrific it was on the football terms, actually helped us because a yeah. lot of players couldn't leave. It was such a short set in the season. Yeah. But I think like, Saul, Dennis, King, a lot of the players will go. So we are going to shake it up. And yeah, yeah. to be honest, at the moment, we're not good enough, even if we probably do come back up to yeah. be committed. So in the ideal world, you want to have a couple of years a consolidation but then who knows do you come back after you look at the likes of Nottingham Forest Middlesbrough some much bigger clubs than us who haven't come back up quickly yeah and it can lead to trouble later on so you've got to take it in again but realistically I think we're looking at consolidation for the next yeah. couple of years yeah and hopefully be back at Old Trafford in three or four years three or, four, or possibly yeah. the cup but yeah yeah so no thanks Graham really appreciate your time thank, thank you. you very much post-match after a very disappointing nil-nil at home to Watford um, a game which United had some really good chances actually and probably weren't the worst performance of the season um, but still we don't get the three points against a very poor Watford team John I suppose we better start with you um, you look like you've got a lot to get off your chest <laughs> yeah so um, what, what, did, what did you think I mean team selection we haven't got a game for nine days and we dropped the most probably informed player on our yeah, team yeah I, I can see the frustration with that but I can also see the need to sometimes freshen it up you know it's you've not got back from Madrid to have until Thursday morning you've got a game two days later so there wasn't much of a break so I, I didn't I didn't well read too much into the team selection there's enough quality there to beat what for me is the worst team in the league right now 
Um, and I think you hit the nail on the head then, said it, it possibly wasn't the worst performance. Second half perhaps got a bit out of shape a little bit, but you know, in the first half, United should have been out of sight after 15 minutes. And it's the story that's impacted the last the last month or two with, with the games you're watching. Um, you come away from games where we should have scored three or four and we're scoring none or one. Um, and it's not, a, it's not a recipe for winning football matches. Um, usual suspects. Um, missing chances. <laughs> no, we won't. We won't. Whoa, 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 I got it. Bloomy, is there anyone in particular that you've disappointed in? Well, first of all, we just need to play Leeds every week, don't we? But, um, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Ronaldo for me, I'm going to say it. I'm sorry, it needs saying. He was like a fucking old man at the end of that. Really? Seriously, you think so? he, he looks out. I mean, he, he, didn't, he, did, he, he wasn't the most guilty of missing chances, yeah, though, was I, he? I, I know, but for me, just I think today really showed for me that he was just absolutely gone for me yeah. it's a shame really yeah. but again like John said we should have been four apart I mean, the amount of chances Fernandez missed a one on one I think Kit at Foster saved it from point blank but again it's just as what more can you say we need, we need to get that sat nav again now don't you yeah. same yeah. thing it's John you've been a striker <laughs> you're a target man played for Plymouth <laughs> for seven years how many would you have had today <laughs> Well, double hat trick, yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, um, it, it was very, very frustrating. As you said, not our worst performance. But um, the body language looks a bit wrong to me. I mean, Ronaldo just, oh, he was winding us up with his with his histrionics and just just miserableness all around, really. And, and Fernandez the same a little bit. Yeah. You know, the team, they don't look happy. They don't look inspired. They're not like, I don't know. It's not... It's hard to say what's going on, isn't it? It's just a mystery. Yeah, I mean, I mean the main, you know... The main things that are coming out of the club is that the players are unhappy with the, you know, the preparation. So I, I don't know what you think about that, Stuart. But it, you know, it is it is quite worrying that we can't beat such a lowly side, especially one that kept kicking the ball back to us as well. Yeah, we've had 22 shots apparently. Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how many. Yeah, two on target. Is that all it was? Yeah. 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 Again, I, I I I don't recall any on target. I, I, I think the Fernandez one was in the first five minutes. Yeah, I missed that. I was trying to get in with some. Yeah, anyway, um, <laughs> trying to get in the ground. Um, yeah, we've played worse and won this year. We've played worse and lost this year. I, 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 I really can't work it out. Um, when you create that amount of chances at home, it's sprung back to mind. There's a nice Robin over there. Uh, it's sprung back to mind um, that game against Fulham, was it, where we put like 80-odd crosses in the box and drew 0-0? Was that under Moyes, was it? Moyes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Watford didn't really offer anything. You can, you know, if you're a Watford fan, you'd be happy with that. It's a point, you know, you're probably still going down, but you've come to Old Trafford and got a point. But that's 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 what most teams are come, you know, come able to do nowadays, isn't it? Um, I agree with Ronaldo. I thought I thought him and Wambazaka were absolutely dreadful today. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I looked at Wambasaka a few times and I just thought, what on earth, you know? I, he, he wasn't for lack of effort because, you know, he did a lot of running on that side, but some of the quality, you know. And I think we're at the stage now where the season could really peter out if we lose Atletico Madrid. That's got to be the worry. Do you think there's anything that we can sort of do to salvage the season now, John? Well, I, I think, I, on paper, I think we've only lost, if you take away the fact that we lost on penalty to Middlesbrough, the game, technically the game was a draw. I'm sure now we've lost one in 20 games, which you know it shows you, you they're a resilient side, they're tough to beat, but there's not been enough of wins, and particularly the run of fixtures they're against games you should, you know, they're against teams you should be winning games. Um, it, it's good to obviously go into that run without without losing games, but today it, it will feel like a defeat for a lot of them players. It'll be quite demoralising. 
Um, I agree with everything that you say. No, there's, there's a lack of options and, and a lack of quality to bring in. You know, Wan-Bissaka was obviously, we, we all know how, how bad he is anyway, so I don't, I don't know why suddenly he's back in the team headed a lot. I don't, I don't think Teller's offered anything on the other side. And, and those are the key positions now. And if you look at the top football sides, and the top, certainly the top two in this country, the, the full-backs are key. Yeah. Particularly Liverpool, you see the amount of chances they create through theirs when you're playing these new formations and you you know you you narrow you don't have wingers etc so you need you need that output from you with fullbacks these days and and it's what we don't get any from there um I'm, I'm slightly going off on a tangent today because they did create enough chances to win the game of football um you, you know today today the blame has to be like squarely at the feet of your attacking players um and particularly all three of the front three were guilty of some really big big chances missed today but um but yeah, it, it, there's not enough there. There's not enough quality in that team to be missing those sort of chances. What, what I don't understand also is we don't obviously know what goes on in training during the week, and we, we don't fully understand what's happening in the changing room and in, in, in the little groups of players, etc. And you know, not happy with this, not happy with that. There's clearly lots going on, and there was from day one, even when Solskjaer was there, I think. But you look at the bench as well, and you, you look at the likes of Juan Mata, who's taking the place of like, let's say, Annabel. So he was on the bench midweek. Why isn't Annabel on, on, on the bench today? I know we're going off the subject slightly, but people like Matic, who, uh, sorry, Matt, uh, Juan Mata, who's never never comes on. He's taken up a position of someone who could be on the bench, and, and you throw him on for ten minutes. We're not, you know, he's, he's blooded Alanga, and Alanga's the only shining light in this team at the moment. But I don't get again some of the decisions with the bench. And I know it was a very heavy pitch at Leeds last Wednesday, and we've gone to Atletico in you know quite a tough game, and he's, he's trying to give everyone a bit of game time maybe. But I don't get the bench bench situation. There's nothing really on the bench at the moment to, to change it. Sancho being the exception because. Rashford's on the bench as well, but again, not in his current form. He's not coming on and doing anything, is he? No, I, th- I think um, just just a couple of things on the substitutes. Really, I, d- I didn't feel the need to rip up the formation as much as he did. So we we took off Matic. Who I thought probably, if you had a look, he probably had more touches than any other player today. Yeah. So yeah. I was happy with that. I was comfortable with him holding there and allowing you know more players to bomb forward. Whereas when it was Pogba and Fernandez. Holding a midfield, you know. Yeah, I mean, was, it, it, yeah, we had. I can't really blame him on that because he got to the stage where he had to put everyone up there, didn't he? And yeah. he, he had to take Matic off. I, I thought, like you said, he thought he did all right. He could have, he could have done. It's not going to happen. Exactly. You, the think, way it is, that's the way it is yeah. now. I think it's time yeah. off for the club to just <clears throat> put Mason Greenwood's stuff down to youthful exuberance <laughs> and just time you know you, you've got another chance um, because that's we need some goals don't we you know, but he's, um, he, he, joking aside it's, it's it's a lack of options you know you've lost Martial obviously then, then Green was out of the side now um, Cavani's Cavani's still recovering from split ends or whatever he's busy, busy watching a racing or something today. I don't know whatever he was doing um, so yeah there's a real lack of options up, up top at the minute to change things not that Ronaldo's ever gets changed but I mean that, that's another the subject today we joked and sat there next year when he was making the subs I took Ronaldo off he was offering nothing you know it was, it was easy to mark he was he, was, he didn't ever look yeah. like he was going to score um, so that, that's another big elephant in the room that the, the fact that he's he's undroppable or un- I, I've got to be honest I, I mean I'm not his biggest fan at the best of times but I think you're being a bit harsh today because I, I don't I, you know I don't think um, you can put down our missed chances to Ronaldo today really podcast, don't no, 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 no. <laughs> anyway. the one he hit the post with he should have scored yeah, second yeah, half he 
should have scored. He was eight yards out and decided to hit it against the Langan in the middle of a goal. I think when you look at Ronaldo, like his stats, and I'm not a statistician, I haven't actually looked at his stats, so I hope they back me up when you look at them. Just make some up. Yeah, make some up. You know, he was scoring, how many goals did he get in Italy last season? Probably 29. All right, okay, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? His scoring ratios fell off the cliff, and I know he's getting a bit older, but... You know the Premier League is a very different game to the We're Italian league, isn't today, it? And it's, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Like, I suppose. Playing against Gianluca Ravioli every week. The levels, the levels gone up, and it's too hard to drop. You, you've you've yeah. dropped a level to then go back to. I hate to say it, but it, it is the best league in the world. It is the hardest league in the world, and it's just yeah. age catches up. And I still yeah. think, if used correctly, it could be more of a threat than he is. But he's, yeah, he's not exactly. managing his minutes well enough because yeah. he's insistent on playing every game. So he wants to be like. the main focal point all the time. He has to yeah. start every game. He's definitely got influence you, you over the You look team. at the likes of how, how so. the likes of Giggs still managed to turn out game after game yeah. when he played well. It's because well, he, he, play, he, well. he played, he played yeah. one in two games. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's what he has to accept, that if he wants to still be able to play at a high level and be able to provide output for the team. He he's, to play like he's saying the other day, oh, I've got four or five years left in me. Not playing yeah, every play game like that. I think, I think the answer, you know, in my personal opinion, the answer with Ronaldo is somewhere in between John and, <laughs> uh, you know, those exciting <laughs> megastore people. <laughs> in the megastore, what were it? He won't be here in August. End of. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hate him. and I, I don't hate him at all. And he's, a, he's, been, he's been, been a fantastic football. One of the greatest ever. But time catches up with everybody. And, I, and, said, I've, I've, and, yeah. and I just think he's playing too many minutes. I said, to, I said to John earlier, I think it's just a bit sad now, really, isn't it? Like watching him. Getting worse in this he team. Be playing, yeah. Well, he should be yeah. playing in China. Shouldn't be sad because you know, you know yeah. United are playing, yeah. paying him half a million. A but week. I, I, no, I'm, no, no, I've seen him from that we, point. We've, of committed, view, but, yeah. we've committed to that until the end of next season. Yeah, so, which I totally I mean, agree with. I, I'm not but, entirely sure he'll yeah. he'll get be getting anywhere near that anywhere else. So don't get me wrong. I, I, don't I don't think see how it's, I don't see a way out. I don't think it's right for all part. I've just seen it from a from a point of view of him as a player. Yeah, it just looks. Anyway, we'll get off that, and we'll move on. We'll move on to our next, um, our next favourite person to bash, and it's Rashford because (laughs) you know we're. I mean, I looked at his body language when he came on today, and you know that that to me is a game where he's been on the bench. You know, he's got a free hit at a poor opponent. You know, he should be coming on with some, you know, enthusiasm and you know getting about a bit but honestly I, I was watching again, it and yeah. it, so there's something it's a, it's dra- drastically thing, wrong there isn't there it's a bad confidence thing he looked yeah. him for he looked like when you see like a year a year eight boy playing with a year tens you know he looked he was chasing the ball around he was the game was bypassing him he just he just looked so bereft of confidence at the minute and well, you, you don't know don't know whether to <laughs> I've not been watching kids play football again. But, uh, I'm just saying. I meant when I was in year ten. Uh, but um, no, it, it looks. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is because at this time of the season, with the, the mm. squad we've got, it's not like you can just take him out of the action and say go on all day for a fortnight like Ferguson used to be able to do brilliantly with players who were struggling like that. Mm. So I don't know what the answer is. Whether you play him through it or whether you give him an extended there's, there's break. Five, there's five home games left, isn't there? League games. Um, and yeah, I think for confidence, you probably that just way. exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why. That's why I know there's five left and counting them down. But you. you you probably best playing him away from home. That sounds a bit mental, but the pressure may be at home, and you know, seventy thousand fans on your back as well. But I can't see it. It's got, no, I don't think it, don't think it makes a difference. No, I mean, it's got to be a massive turnaround for him to, to do something between now and May. I think there's a bigger issue, Rashford. I think like all this stuff he's been doing off the pitch, yeah. which is all very applaudable yeah. and commendable. Like, you know, what I mean, I, I just think that the 
you know, Rock Nation are managing him from a PR point of view. I think they've built him up to be something that his inner self is not that. You yeah. know, he's a kid from Wivenshaw and he's a nice lad and he and he's a good footballer. But I just think, like mentally, that must be so oh. hard to be. Your persona to the outside world is different to the persona that you are, and I, I just think mentally he's not at the races. At the I was, moment. yeah, I, I was, I was looking at him. I, I stared across to him about, I reckon, about eighty minutes, and I was watching, him and I just thought he just looks absolutely lost here. I'm not sure it's even just mental though I I think physically the the big problem he had you remember this time last year when he he was flying he was playing really well and he got that shoulder injury and he delayed and delayed that operation he played through the pain he played with the with the the, um, injections and what else to to go to a Euros that he didn't even play in then missed a a shootout um, kick a penalty in the shootout um, and I think it's, it's caught up with him. I think I think I don't I think it's there's something physically not right with him at the minute. And um, I don't know whether it's like I said, it, it, probably the, the hangover of what happened last year. And, and he doesn't do any favours. On top of that, we've always no one's actually ne- ever known where his natural position is. No. He, he's he's always gone Certainly to the left. We know he's not an out and out centre forward. Yeah. And he's always played that on the left, and that's how he's just he's dropped into that position. So, so the other day, United don't know, and yeah. it's got to the point where he doesn't know so when, he broke either. In, when Van Gaal so, gave him that yeah. break, whenever that yeah. was four or five years he was ago. More direct, he was just yeah. he had no fear. Like more a Langer is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. something that United have got to work on. I, I don't actually think it's out that we let Martial go because. You know, we, we could have. Um, <laughs> no, it's, it's just one less option. Cavani's never available. You know, Lingard's got his own issues as well. Um, this is just putting, you know, putting the pressure on us to play him because we, we're not in a position, privileged position, where we can just put him out of the squad for three weeks because we've got nobody else. About the likes of yeah, yeah, There must yeah. be other t- uh, yeah. young lads who, who can even get a sniff on the bench, but yeah. the likes of Matters sat there warming the bench. I would have liked Matters to see Matter come on. Well, Matter could have played right yeah, back yeah, today yeah. for me. He might yeah. as well have. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, just to like, just um, moving towards the end then. Can, can we salvage um, top four at all? It's, it's still possible because it's not like Arsenal are ripping up trees themselves. You know, you you don't need to be looking at the points tallies that all those those chasing pack have got in the last few weeks. It's, it's not great. Um, the way it'll carry on, we'll probably start that. What worries you is if United are picking up sporadic points against bottom half teams. How are they going to do when yeah. we get this yeah, run of fixtures ask, coming ask, up? Ask, ask, and, and this is this games. is the thing. I mean, you, you wouldn't be surprised to see United pick up points when you're playing against Tottenham's and Arsenal's and perhaps not City and Liverpool, but. I don't know at the minute I just don't feel like I'm looking at it and thinking I don't see us putting that run of wins together that you need we can win five. No, well, that's what I mean it's, no. it's going to be difficult no. so um, no. it's Arsenal's to lose when you look at the games now but again games no. in hand can sometimes be trickier at this time of year I think, that, I think that result the other night for Arsenal was a big was a big yeah. blow I reckon personally they got three games in hands as well yeah. So even well, just winning, I think they're one now one, aren't they three yeah, games yeah. Games yeah. so it's it's not looking good for me I didn't Personally, I didn't think we were going to get it anyway after the last few weeks. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just made it hard now, I think. John. Yeah, I think uh, the fact we've um, played a lot more <coughs> games could work in our favour in the fact, you know, we've got no other distractions, have we? And mm. if yeah, things go badly against island. Madrid, then we've yeah. just got a very, very uh, light running in terms of the number of games. So, yeah. you know, this, we're still in with a shout. Right, but well, in, know, so, in some ways, I'd rather, you know, top four, like I don't think any of us are that enthusiastic mm. about it, are we? I think, like... Stu was saying earlier on, give the kids a chance, but the problem is because there's because there's big money at stake yeah. with the Champions League, you're not going to give the kids a chance. So yeah. the same old players are going to get a run out, and we're just going to go out feeling depressed every week. It all is as well. There's so much uncertainty around what's going to even who's yeah. even going to be there next season, who's going to be the manager, who, which players are still going to be there. You know, there's so many 
out of contracts in the summer as well. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, the worst it, thing it, is they don't even think United know either. But so I mean, how, how, how can then, you know, how can you likes of Paul Pogba <laughs> and Bruno Fernandes' contract's up for renewal? You know, what must they be thinking now about what the direction the club's going in and whether they want to sign another contract? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We already know Pogba's probably going to go, but Fernandes must be having second thoughts now yeah, about, yeah. about deciding to stay. I've just qu- quickly checked. We play Arsenal in about seven weeks, end of April. Obviously, a lot of football between now and then, including obviously the next two games in the league, City and Liverpool. And, and we have to go to like Everton away as well. It was scrambling for the lives. So going back to your question, top four, no. We're in that conference. Yeah, we, we could we could be going going there. You know, maybe nine points behind them. Though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and then last game of the season, Chelsea. Yeah. You know, it's not looking good, is it? Run out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, cheers, lads. I know it's difficult after a nil-nil draw. Um, there wasn't much in, in match action to discuss, um, apart from the chances missed and. Maybe a penalty. I don't. I don't know if anyone had a good view of that. I. I certainly didn't. No worries. Um, we'll be back mm. next game at home to Spurs. Is that next Sunday? Is that next Sunday? City next Sunday. No. Um, oh, next home game. Yeah. 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 Madrid, is it? Tottenham. Or is it Tottenham? No, it's Tottenham, Tottenham next. First, yeah, Tottenham yeah. next. And a Manchester derby next week. Um, we will, as John pointed out, do a round man of the match. Two, two weeks um, ago, I, I thought Matic played well today, um, and I don't. I think once he took him off, we lost a bit of that shape as well. I thought he had a good game. <sighs> yeah, probably Matic. Yeah. Agreed, Matic. You're all wrong, Alanga. I'm a langer as well, and the, no, the the reason is I saw something in, and I will end on a positive actually. Saw something in him today because I thought he just like um, popped up in good areas. But I yeah. saw some really good off the ball work today, and their you know even well. quite tidy their, on it. Their yeah. fullback yeah. is really rapid. Plus he had fucking one bisaka behind him as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Thanks to everyone, and thanks to everybody who bought the mag. Um, it is really appreciated um, on on these days, and thank God we didn't get any rain again. Thanks all. Cheers. With me, Paul's Watford, I've got Andy Mitten, who I thought I'd have a catch-up with. Um, Andy, I talked to you this week about Atletico Madrid and what mentioned that you were quite negative about the um, second leg, which is a different vibe to what I've had for other people. Why is that? Well, I was negative after the first leg because I thought Manchester United were atrocious in the first half in Madrid. And I know how hard people work to get into that Champions League last season and to get out of the group this season. And it wasn't always pretty. But I thought United were up against it right from the start. I don't think the players um, implemented the tactics which were asked of them. Uh, I think the manager is partly responsible as well for his decision to play Victor Lindelof. Why was that? I think it's because he didn't want to drop Harry Maguire. And this wasn't against Atletico Madrid's best team. They were missing five or six of their best players from the starting lineup. Now, granted, they played better than they played all season. And I've not watched every single game they've played. I've probably watched them six times this season. But I stayed in Madrid a couple of days after the game. I spoke to lots of different people. I got a feeling for the vibe there, not just off fans and in the street, but speaking to people who know what they're on about at Atletico Madrid. And in the media, I mean, they were pretty damning about Cristiano Ronaldo, which is half expected because he didn't have a good game. And it just worries me. And what worries me is that while United did get marginally better in the second half, while Ralph Rangnick's substitutions did make a difference, Anthony Alanga's finish was fantastic. The away end was great. 
And it was good to see Darren Fletcher commenting about that as well. And I was also told that the players were singing the Alanga song in training. So that's that's brought a bit of feel-good factor um, to, to the training and among the players. And I think the United fans in Madrid had, had a really good time. It was a great city. The atmosphere was good, etc., etc. But I'm worried that an Atletico team, in theory, which will be stronger in the second leg, they'll be extremely vengeful. They felt like it was a robbery that they didn't get anything out of that game against Manchester United. And I just worry what will happen is what happened in 2018 when Sevilla came to Old Trafford. So different set of circumstances, away leg. Jose Mourinho took the team down before the game, got a nil-nil draw in, in Andalusia. They had 23 shots on target. Manchester United had like half a shot. David De Gea was brilliant in that match. And then they came to Old Trafford and were by a distance the best team in the first 25 minutes. And Old Trafford didn't respond. They took the sting out of the crowd. And I don't think we can have a repeat of that for the second leg. And I remember walking down through the main stand just before half time because I was doing some work for TV. And I had to go pitch side. And there was silence. Silence at Old Trafford. I'm like, it's nil-nil here in the tie. The, the, the team really need the support behind you. So the, the United fans were partly to blame. And then Ben Yedder got his two goals and United finally responded 80 minutes into a 180-minute tie. And no two games are the same, but I'm just worried ahead of that second leg that United, despite having all the preparation, despite scouting Atletico Madrid... Despite Atletico missing so many players, were so so bad in that first half, and I'd love to think that the players can learn the, the lesson from that. I'd like to think that Ralph Rangnick's team will be properly prepared. I don't think they were in the first leg, and I'd love to think that Manchester United can go through um, in, into the next stage. I, I am an optimist. Yeah, just, just on a touch. touch. Yeah, I just, just want to touch on something there. Despite being a bit more positive than you about the, the second game, you mentioned that United were the Cooks, and this is something that's been um, a theme. And you know, mentioned this not directly, but maybe through some journalists. What? what how do you see that sort of um, power struggle at the moment? Is it one? Um, and secondly, you know. Is it valid? Um, where do you see? Um, is it fair criticism? There's, there's two or three versions of the truth around Manchester United at the moment. You've got the players, you've got the manager, and you've got the club view, which is always going to be the most optimistic outlook. So Ralph Rangnick, he's obviously got to preserve his own reputation. And there's a lot of self-preservation going on, on here. And... I think he's good with the media. I've said that a few times. He, he answers questions. He gives you proper detailed answers. He comes close to calling his players out, which I think the fans like because they're not convinced by the players. But other people have told me that is the riskiest thing that a manager can do. If you start calling your players out and you're only in the job for a few months, you're on a hiding to nothing there. And... That's not, when I say someone's told me, that's just not, not a bloke coming up to me in the street. That's someone who's very familiar with the, with the situation. So that is a worry for me. And where, where does the truth lie? I think that 
when Ralph Rangnick talks, I believe I believe what he says. I like his sincerity. I like his honesty. And but when he talks, there's different versions of the truth. And we've seen players pushing back a couple of times. Uh, Anthony Martial, Jesse Lingard, saying, "Whoa, my version of events is slightly different to yours," and that's not a good look. And that doesn't strike me as a harmonious uh, dressing room because it isn't. And we can see that by the way that the team are playing. Next thing I wanted to touch on was today's conference call um, to financial investors. Um, it sounded like messages I'd heard time and time again. Of, um, what was your view? Well, it's Manchester United putting on the most optimistic face, saying that financially the teams the club is in decent enough uh, shape um Darren Fletcher had also spoken at the fans forum on Friday those quotes came out today he did much the same he did some clarifying which I think is important because there have been people saying what exactly is Darren's role at the moment uh, I've spoken of uh, my opinion of Darren Fletcher, I think he's a very good person to have at Manchester United in the same way that I thought Nicky Butt was a very good person to have at Manchester United. And when he comes out and speaks, like he, his quotes came out this week, I can understand why he does that. The problem is they're coming out under a cloud because people are annoyed because United played badly in Madrid, failed to beat Watford, keep drawing every game. Uh, John Murta also spoke at the investor call. So United's perspective is that there's a post-COVID recovery going on, revenues are going up, um, that Old Trafford is returning to normal, full capacity, commercial revenues are up 3%, record e-commerce sales, normalisation in the megastore, and revenues going up from merchandise, probably because of Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, the club are saying that there's a strong pipeline of new partners, including uh, Tezos, who are a blockchain company who are sponsoring the, the training kit. So I think that commercially, Manchester United remain pretty successful. But what worries me is that I've been hearing the same thing for eight years and reading these pointers of a brighter future. I can remember speaking to Richard Arnold in a United We Stand interview in 2015, where he talked of his absolute faith in what Jose Mourinho was doing. So you've got to understand that the the club are always going to do this. They're always going to put their most optimistic um, view out there. And as someone said to me from the club 15 years ago, you wouldn't expect Tesco's in-house magazine to be strongly critical and negative about Tesco. And I think that's that's totally true. But I need to 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 cross-reference that with what I see with my own eyes and what I see happening on the pitch. And I'm worried because Manchester United have been have been poor. Results have not been good enough. I think the season is hanging by a thread. If we were to go out against Atletico, and I hope we don't, I think we're losing momentum in terms of that uh, fourth place finish. And again, we shouldn't be celebrating a fourth place finish, but it is important that Manchester United get into the Champions League. Arsenal are winning the matches. United are drawing the matches. United are struggling to score. Okay, four goals scored at Leeds, that was a good thing. So the club are always going to tell investors their most sunny outlook because they're investors and they probably want to hear that. And I know they've got a duty to tell the truth, but 
I don't find the questions particularly probing which the investors ask. I don't think they're particularly close to the commercial activities of, of Manchester United. The very general questions, there's very few questions. Uh, I think Richard Arnold, he comes across well when he speaks. He talks about the digitisation, etc., etc., but and and talks up the the billion follows or whatever it is on social media. But I just look at the league table and I think that this season has been a really disappointing season. And it's all right, John Murta saying, we want to bring a manager in who's going to return Manchester United to greatness. I just don't think it'll be that easy. In the same way as I don't think it'll be that easy if we just bring a midfielder in or we just bring another striker in. And, and that worries me. I think that, uh, there's a lack of stability at Manchester United and I see no sign of that ending at the moment. So that's probably why I'm circumspect when I talk to you. And it's probably the first time um, there's been a, such a call with Richard Arnold at the helm. Uh, do, do you get the impression that they, they have reflected on it, what may have gone wrong in the last 10 years and you know start to make different moves in the transfer market and with big squad. Richard Arnold wants to make his mark. No doubt about it. He's been putting groundwork in for a long, long time. He needs allies. He's been going to functions with former players. Uh, he's been speaking to lots of different people. He was the most engaged in terms of communicating with the fans, uh, in terms of getting behind and supporting things like the Red Army section, the rail seating. He was in Manchester. Ed Woodward was in London. He's a very tough negotiator and fans don't always want to hear stuff like this, but he's brought some brilliant deals in commercially to Manchester United and that toughness, I think he will apply in his new role in that people answering him will have to justify why things aren't going as well if they're not going as well when they've been given the resources and managers have been given the resources because Manchester United have spent a huge amount of money on players. Let's just separate that one second from the owners and the Glazers and the takeover because that's a completely different issue and we've covered that so much in United. We stand on this podcast as well. The fact is they are the, the current owners of Manchester United. You've got no intention of, of selling up at the moment. So Richard Arnold is working for them and... United have spent a lot of money and spent it badly and recruited badly. He has got to make his mark. I know he was Ed Woodward's mate. I know that United fans will be sceptical, cynical, call it what you want. He knows that as well. He's not a football man. So he's entrusting power to football men, people like Darren Fletcher and John Murta. And it will be on them as well as a new manager they brought in. So straight away, Ralph Rangnick will be on them. If he's a success... And I think you've got to say if he finishes fourth, he will be seen as a success given where he inherited Manchester United after Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had been sacked. Then that'll be a little green tick against them. If they keep drawing every match and finish seventh, then then it then it won't be. It's a results business. So I see a club which has had a huge number of changes. I see even more changes uh, coming at every, every level. And then... Fans tend to be more bothered about which players are coming in. There'll be a budget for new players in the summer. Of course there will be. I see people saying, we need to rip it up and start again. Well, that's that's not going to happen because there's 25 players with contracts ranging from two months to, to four or five years. 
with uh, options to add on. So you, you can't just get rid of all of these players. And it's frustrating because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer kept saying, you know, judge me after blah, blah, blah. And we got to the point where it was like, right, judge me after three years. Well, we nearly got to that point. And then he got sacked because results had, had fallen right right off. So I'm pretty circumspect about, about the whole thing. And also, I don't think that one man, one manager, even if he brings his team in, so say if Pochettino came in and he brought his team with him, I think it's a huge ask just to get him, even if you indulge him with two or three signings. And Manchester United have got money just to get him to jump and suddenly start challenging for the league title again when Manchester City are so effective at doing what they do, and, and Liverpool are as well. And Chelsea, um, they, they've got a slightly different model to the others, but they've been winning trophies. And the bottom line for, for me is that all of those three teams have won numerous trophies, most recently at the weekend, and Manchester United have won nothing since 2017. Yeah, and that brings us on to the Manchester Derby weekend, because we've got one of those teams. Are you all for it? We've got one of those teams who, bizarrely, Manchester United have got a really good record against at the Etihad. And I've been going to those matches and walking to the ground and bumping into City people on, on the way into the ground. I remember bumping into Sean Gota before the 3-2 game in December uh, 19, I think it was. And it was almost like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna hammer you today. We're gonna hammer United today, and and then the opposite happens. So I, I don't expect Manchester United to beat City at the weekend. I think City are miles better than United. We're toying with United at Old Trafford earlier this season. The one thing that Oli Gunnar did was he managed to win these matches. Don't know how he did it. I think the game plan last year was fantastic. The man in the match last year was Anthony Martial in one of the few good games he had last year. But that was very dependent on United riding the luck because. They knew that City were going to break the lines, and they did break the lines. But Martial worked fantastically uh, in his in the pressing role that he was given. I don't think Cristiano Ronaldo could do the same thing. So, am I optimistic no. going into the game at the weekend? Not really, but also, I am an idiot, and when that game starts, I will think that United are capable of getting a win, <laughs> and that might end after ten minutes. So. We'll do the next podcast and we can discuss it because we'll be um, at, at the game recording. Probably. Just, just, just lastly, before you go, go well, it's um, been bugging me for a, a couple of weeks now. Is it Fred Doan or Fred Dunn? Doan. As in scone. Right. I think we should do an interview with him. He's, um, I'm told he's got a picture of Duncan Edwards in his office. I'm told he's a United fan from... Since 67. So, yeah, I've never met him. He's obviously a big character in Manchester. And I know him and his brother are big friends with um, with Sir Alex Ferguson. It might make for a decent interview for uh, United We Stand and we can get him to pronounce his name properly if he's up for it. Yeah, sounds good to me. Well, thanks, Tom. It was good to chat with you. Thanks, Ant.